everybody, welcome back to episode eight of the Side Dish Podcast. It's Brittany here from Boston Food Journal with my co-host, my sister, Caitlin. Hey, everyone. You say that every time. It's so funny. I know. It's our thing now. That's, that's oh, our exactly. intro. It is. So we have a fun episode for you today. Kate's going to do her wine tip. I'm going to talk some BFJ. And then we have an interview with Trisha Perez, who is a chef and business owner and founder of the Inn at Hastings Park in Lexington, Mass. The inn looks gorgeous. I think we should do like a day trip there, Caitlin, after talking to Trisha. Um, I think she has some great insights. She actually does cooking classes now, which is really cool. So I feel like we should organize a day trip and go go out there and, and visit. That sounds really fun. I, I I'm really bad at exploring like local towns because I mean, yeah. obviously there's Providence, there's Boston, but like there are so many hidden gems kind of throughout Massachusetts that I've just kind of, um, also that's Lexington Concord. I mean, the history yeah. nerd in I me. Know. So much that's, history for you. There's like a, actually like a, a really historic park there or in that area that I've never been to, but. See? I think it was that's the shot true. heard around the world, right James? <laughs> Just checking my history, he's not. That means literally. <laughs> well, Google okay. it, Brit. It's, okay. it's a, yeah. So what's up? How was your week? Good. We had a little so, crazy week because we were a little behind. Sorry again, week. everyone. We're back on sketch now. Um, the, the biggest thing of this week is Caitlin's bridal shower is this weekend. So yeah, it was a COVID bride and yeah. her wedding, her, all her wedding festivities, of course, got rescheduled a year. So it's crazy to me that we're like back in the swing and it's actually happening. I know this is my I've been engaged for two years and this is my first wedding event. Wild. <laughs> I know it's kind of comical at this point and it kind of happened so fast like I'm like oh my god it's here I know and I like was slacking on ordering invitations because I was like yeah well it won't take that long and right now I'm I feel like I'm behind on all this stuff because it just kind of popped up so I know but I'm very grateful very grateful that we can have these events now I agree very very exciting all right well what are we what are we sipping on today Kate we are sipping on, oh man, this one's hard to pronounce, but it was really good when I tried it. So it's the Erezuriz, mm-hmm. that was pretty good. Max oh. Reserva Camonere. So it's a Chilean wine from the Aconcagua Valley in Chile. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a medium bodied red. It's about 16 bucks. So it's um, you know on the cheaper side. The tasting notes, you're gonna, it's going to be a little spicy, so a lot of pepper. I think I've talked about what that means for wine a little bit yep. um, here. But, yeah, this is another kind of spicy one. Wines from that region generally have a bit of a, a hit of pepper. Yep. Um, this one will also have ripened black fruits and herbs. So it's kind of earthy um, and, you know, just kind of unique. So I would recommend it with a richer meal. So maybe like a dark red sauce on a pasta or a roasted beef. Um, it would even go well with dessert because of the kind of spicy pepper notes um, that, that give you kind of a chocolate and coffee vibe. So like mm-hmm. you could have it with chocolate cake. It would hold up nicely against that as well. So yeah. this good. wine, yeah, we got this wine as it was a gift to James and I from wine.com, but it seems quite popular and widely distributed. So I'm sure you could find it at your local wine shop or um, Total Wine or a store like that. Or Formaggio. Or from, <laughs> or Formaggio Kitchen. Of course. <laughs> Always and forever. 
Always. Plugging. That sounds delish. I'm not much of like a spicy pepper person, so I don't know what I would think of it, but it sounds Well, you're not much of a, you're, you're okay on red wine. Like, yeah, I'm getting, I'm actually starting to drink it more. Yeah. But I think you like, you, you're working your way up to kind of those kind of flavors. You you like the fruity, fruitier reds now and you're working your way up. I am. Well, I'm proud of you for finally expanding your palate because it's about time. I will have to give that a try. Well, yeah. thank you, Caitlin. Next, we're going to jump into our conversation with Trisha Perez Keneally, and she's a chef and business owner, founder of the Inn at Hastings Park in Lexington, Mass., with its lovely restaurant, Town Meeting Bistro. Trisha, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're so excited to talk to you. Brittany and Caitlin, it's so nice to be here. Thank you. So you're actually the first um, inn and restaurant owner that we've spoken to on our our podcast, which is really, really exciting. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Inn at Hastings Park, the property, the concept behind it, and then like what the overall guest experience is? So the Inn is located in Lexington, Massachusetts, which is the birthplace of American Liberty. We're about 400 yards from where the first battle of the American Revolution was fought. And I am originally from Puerto Rico, but I moved to Lexington when I was 12. And as an adult, I moved back here. And I always thought that it was funny that a place where inns and taverns played a significant role in our town's history didn't actually have an inn and tavern anymore. And when this particular property came on the market in 2010, I jumped on the opportunity to do just that, to provide the town with an inn, not so much a tavern, but what we developed is a beautiful luxury property that has 22 guest rooms and has a restaurant as you spoke about. And the experience that people have when they come here is it's a luxurious experience. We want people to feel extremely well taken care of. We want them to feel feel pampered. We want them to feel refreshed when they leave. And we want them to have, we call it revolutionary hospitality. We want them to have had such a fantastic experience that they can't help but talk about it. I love that. And like I was saying earlier, the, you know, looking at the photos of the end, the bedrooms to me are just amazing. And I love how each one is different in design. It's a really, Every, it's a really cool thing. I'm so glad that you picked up on that. I mean, we have beautiful pictures on our website. We made a choice that all 22 guest guest rooms are different and they all celebrate New England craftsmanship. So there's all of these beautiful little touches. Um, Wallpapers printed in Western Massachusetts, sconces from Connecticut. So it's all those little details that really contribute to the experience. And it's still quite cohesive. You know, it looks like it's the same design style. It's just the difference is very cool, but it, it does look like they all fit together within the same design concept. So it's really neat. I really like that. Brittany's side uh, side you. side hobby is interior design. If you can't tell, yeah, she, loves, <laughs> she loves that stuff right, too. In addition it, to food. In addition I to food. like it, yeah. <laughs> so Brittany, um, Brittany, you can come play the game of staying. Um, we have some people that are trying to stay in as many different guest rooms so they oh, can I love have that. all those different experiences. That's so We'll awesome. sign you up for that game. Yes, please. Oh, that sounds Sign fun. Me. I'm coming too. Yeah. <laughs> um, Trisha, I also read about you that you have a background in investment banking, which is very different from, you know, the culinary arts and being a chef. So tell us a little bit about how you made that switch into the hospitality and food uh, industry. Sure. So I graduated from Harvard Business School. And when I went to HBS, my intent was that I eventually hoped to be an entrepreneur. But I thought that going into investment banking would be an incredible trading ground for learning about all different types of business. And indeed, it truly was. 
Mm. Um, they actually do have more in common hospitality and investment banking. I was on the corporate finance side. So my responsibility was working closely with clients and helping them through fundraising or if they were getting ready to sell or buy a company. But there's a lot of taking care of people through these processes, mm. especially mm-hmm. the my client base. Um, I worked for a company called Roberts and Stevens. And while I was there, it was really the beginning of internet insanity. And so I was fortunate enough to work with people who were the founders of their company. So this these financial milestones were also very significant milestones for them personally. And when people come to visit you at a hotel, they're coming for all sorts of reasons, right? They're coming, you know, hopefully for the most part, people are coming for fun reasons. And it's really fun to be part of people's weddings and baby showers and graduation. And someone just had a baby. But we're also there when people need us when it's sad, when someone has passed away or someone is sick. Um, And we take that responsibility really seriously. So I think people are sometimes surprised when they hear me say, that there's actually a lot more in common than you think between the two. Um, But the beautiful thing about making the transition, I really did have fun being an investment banker because I love people and I'm really Uh curious. And same things, no day is the same in my job, right? Every day Uh is completely different, right? I wake up with a plan of attack. Hopefully most most of the time I get through it. But when you're working with people, the unexpected dictates your day. It's very true. That's hospitality. <laughs> now, um, you mentioned that. And that's why we, and that's why we love it. Exactly. Because it's not the same every day. It's, it's yeah. Keeps you on your toes. That's for sure. <laughs> now, Trisha, you mentioned you grew up in Puerto Rico. Um, growing up, did you cook a lot? Or, you know, do you have um, Puerto Rican roots influencing some of the menu concepts at the restaurant? So my Puerto Rican roots influence a lot of what I do. I think the style of hospitality in Puerto Rico, it's a very welcoming, warm place. So that kind of, that theme and spirit is everywhere. Mm-hmm. In terms of cooking, God bless my parents. That's <laughs> my mother about the purple buttercream frosting, you know, Ooh. that I love to make. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that food, those food colors, not so good, right? That yeah. <laughs> purple. Um, but my parents were very supportive of my exploration of the culinary space. Um, I learned along the way that it's really important to clean up after yourself. But I did <laughs> grow up cooking a lot and I, um, and making lots of messes. We have, um, I do these culinary classes at the inn mm-hmm. and I have these dish towels that I saw that say like make the mess. Uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta make the mess. You gotta clean it up too. But part of it is, is making a little bit about that mess. So I did cook a lot. Um, a lot of the food that we cook at home too, um, is really influenced by that background. Puerto Rican food is very well seasoned. It's not spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just a lot of flavor in it and I've raised my own children to sort of cook that way. And I'm really, I'm really proud. My 19, 17 and 15 year olds, they're really good cooks. That's awesome. Nice. That's amazing. We are, Caitlin and I are, are not, and our mom <laughs> cooks, so I'm sure uh, she, she could say that about us. That's really, that's exciting. Cooking is such a, it's awesome, you know, and I, I feel like practice makes perfect, so there's hope for us, but that's great. And the and the food at the restaurant in the inn, um, was that, how would you describe that, I guess? Is it like new American cuisine, or is, are there Puerto Rican influences in, on, in that menu specifically, or, or not as much? 
There have been Puerto Rican influences at different points. Um, mm -hmm. What we really try to do, so I, I lived in London and that's when I studied at Le Cordon Bleu. Uh -huh. I have what's called a grand diplôme, which means that I studied both pastry and cuisine. Okay. And the essence of French culinary training is that you take the best available ingredients and you do as little as possible to them. Mm. And I know that that actually sounds simple, but that's not always the easiest thing to do. So I think that our menus are inspired by what is available locally. They're inspired by the season. Mm -hmm. um, there's a very heavy seafood influence um, uh -huh. in our menus. We, you know, we are, I think people sometimes forget, you know, this is a maritime region. Right. The, the ocean plays a big role in, right. in the development in our history. And I, I think it's a big part of our culinary tradition. So I think that every once in a while you'll see, I think that what you'll see is that that seasoning, I'm very big on making sure that food is well seasoned, especially mm -hmm. like the younger cooks on our team. I'm always in taste, 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 taste. Yeah. Right. Right. A dish better not leave our kitchen if you haven't tasted it. Mm -hmm. And it's along those lines that you talked about, Brittany, about the practice. Mm -hmm. You have to practice with your tongue and you have to kind of refine and figure out how do I replicate that over and over again? So Puerto Rican influence in terms of the seasoning, I would gotcha. call it an, an, a New England inspired menu. Um, and what I, what I think is really nice about the menu is that it evolves and it, it evolves a lot. Yeah. And sometimes it has to do with, oh my God, I just saw rhubarb and that rhubarb was amazing. We're mm. gonna make rhubarb compote. And yeah. that's gonna be you know, the signature theme of our dessert right now. Yep. Or we have these beautiful garden beds in our culinary garden. And so we've been doing these backyard salads that really feature a lot of the herbs and lettuces that we're growing here ourselves. I love Amazing. that. It's locally sourced, which I feel, you know, people won't get food fatigue that way, but it also, I think people also resonate with, with menus that are locally sourced when you support mm -hmm. local restaurants and local business. I think that's, that's so important. Um, we want to talk to you a little bit about the pandemic, you know, dreaded. Um, curious to know, you know, what happened with operations at the inn and how you pivoted. I do know that after the pandemic is when you decided to teach cooking classes at the inn. So, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. So, we, the week of March, you know, the week beginning of March eighth of twenty twenty. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's when it all at the happens. Beginning of the week, I was actually sitting and had like a long, a long-term planning meeting with my team. Like we had mapped out the year. We we knew that something was brewing. Like we had a sense that you know there was something weird about this virus. By March thirteenth, I was having conversations about how we were going to shut down the inn, mm -hmm. and we made the decision to be closed for six months. Mm -hmm. um, and even after we were given the all clear by the Commonwealth that we could reopen, we actually waited until September. Okay. And during that time, I spent time at our sister property down in Rhode Island. I would go down on Thursdays and I would teach in their culinary center on Thursday and Fridays. Mm -hmm. And my passion has always been culinary education. It was one of the driving forces behind opening the inn because mm -hmm. I wanted to create a platform that I could use to talk to people about food. And so during the summer, last summer, we came up with this idea because we recognized that people were going to want to be able to do things, but they wanted to do it outside. They wanted to do it in a way that they would feel safe. Mm 
-hmm. So I developed a curriculum that I could teach outside in our culinary garden. It also transported easily into inside to our library. And that is what I started to do. So the first incarnation of the culinary garden featuring Whispering Angel could only accommodate 12 people. Now we've redesigned it this year. There's beautiful Japanese meatballs. There's Rose of Sharon. The flower gardens are all planted with all of these herbs. I had, we have this arbor that has roses because the theme is rosé. On Sunday, there was one single bud. Yesterday, there were over a hundred. Wow. That must be beautiful. You know, this, I call the garden my, it was my silver lining. And so I think that what the pandemic enabled me to do and sort of inspire my team to do is really making a commitment or recommitting ourselves to revolutionary hospitality and providing our guests with a distinctive, luxurious experience. Mm -hmm. It would be one of a kind, right? It's not often that you walk into a luxury inn and you get to sit with the owner and have cooking lessons. Right. And so I really have been pleased with the response that that's gotten. And it actually helped me, it helped me get through what was a really challenging time. Yeah, it's great to hear that you were able to pivot and not only pivot, but to do something that you're actually very passionate about. And that's something that you can continue to do post. Mm -hmm. Well, we hope post pandemic, but that's that's great. We will will continue to do it. And I think um, I feel so strongly everything that we do here, there's always also there's some there's some things that I'm really passionate about in terms of like local agriculture, Mm -hmm. supporting people. Like we're big supporters of Dana-Farber. We run the, Mm. we run the PMS challenge every year, but I'm also really involved. I'm the chairman of the board of advisors at the Friedman School of Nutrition at Tufts. Mm -hmm. And the other, the other thing about the cooking lessons is that the Dean of the, Dean Mosafarian, Dari Mosafarian believes, and a lot of his colleagues do, that many of these deaths could have been avoided if people had better metabolic health. Mm-hmm. And the key to metabolic health is eating well. Right. And eating well doesn't mean that it has to, eating well means that it tastes delicious and it's nutritionally dense. Mm-hmm. Right. The challenge is, is that a lot of people don't know how to do that anymore. Right. Just yesterday, I, I mean, this makes everything that I'm doing on social media, this is why you do it. I received, like someone um, DM'd me and said, my mother just recently passed away. She wasn't really much of a cook, but I've been spending time watching your videos and it's I've learned a lot and really helped me. Oh, and that's I'm so like, nice. Yeah. There you go. That's why that's, I do it. That's why <laughs> that's we it. do it. And that's yeah. why. When people come here, like I want to spend time with them and I want to share my passion with them. That's incredible. And you also have a cook. Did I read you have a cookbook coming out or is it already out? It's not out. I'm working on it. I'm about three quarters of the way through. Nice. Um, One of the challenges is I had a little, you know, I did have a little bit more time last summer, but then once we reopened. Oh yeah, forget it. (laughs) <laughs> it was full throttle. And I mean, it's no secret. Um, if anyone's listening and has an interest, you know, if you can bartend, if you can serve, if you want to learn about luxury hospitality, please. Awesome. Send us yeah. a resume. Um, <laughs> my managers and I are working double time because there are not yeah. enough employees right now. We'll wow. post your um, website links and social media links as well. So if people are listening and they are interested, you'll know where to apply and how to apply. 
Now, Thank do you, you have any um, favorite restaurants in the Boston area? We always ask our guests this just because we're curious to know. We like to get a good variety sample. Everyone has yeah. a different, you know, favorite. So, so I, there are a bunch of places that I really love, but I think that what people would find surprising about me is that some of my go-tos have to do with comfort food. Hmm. So, as I, said, I spent a lot of, <laughs> I've spent a lot of time in Cambridge. Yep. So sometimes like I really, and I actually did a demo on this. I did a cooking class on Harvard square street food. Yep. Hmm. So it was based on Pinocchio's. Yeah. Oh, uh, Brittany loves Pinocchio's. Yeah. Oh. I've never been there. Okay. Oh. Have you had the steak and cheese or do you just go for pizza? I just go for their pizza. They're classic Sicilian. Oh, okay. So, so my go-to is a regular slice mm-hmm. with a steak and cheese, lettuce, tomato, oh. pickles, and hots. <laughs> One of my favorites. Can you Yum. believe that? So good. Uh, I hope I hope my trainer's not listening. Um, <laughs> and, um, I also, I mean, totally old school, Bartley's Burgers. Um, I'm also a huge, huge fan. Um, I'm a huge fan of Tony Ma's. Um, okay his original restaurant um, when it was on Craigie street, absolutely love, but I still love like everything that he does. Um, I think that, you know, you know, it's interesting. Like also too, like I think about Jody Adams, like I actually, Soloniki is, Mm -hmm. I'd love Mm. to see how, actually that's a really good thing. Like Tony and Jody both, you know, have had some really incredible success at the high end, but then they've also done some really incredible stuff in terms of very, like things that are comforting to them, whether it's yeah. the burger or the Greek food. And right. I think that, that what's, that's what kind of works best is when people yeah. are really passionate, you know, and like, I think about like Tiffany Faison, like she's also very uh, passionate. Yeah. What's funny is we used to live in Charlestown and my husband and I used to go and sit at the bar at Olive's mm-hmm. and she used to cook and I so vividly remember like we would sometimes sit at the back and I would watch her. This was before I went to culinary school yep. and I would just watch. So, awesome. you know, yeah. there you go. A few things. Big fan of Tiger Mama myself. Oh, it's been great. Yeah. Love but, it there. Well, Love talk it. about her diversity, right? I mean, like talk yeah. about the diversity of what she does, right? Yep. You got your, you know, fried chicken and you got, or your barbecue and then mm-hmm. this American. Yeah. I like big fan of all of her restaurants. And um, wrapping it up here, what's next for you? What's next for the inn and the restaurant? Anything we should keep an eye out for? Obviously you have a cookbook um, coming out, but is there anything else? So what I'm working on, so working on the cookbook, um, I love doing the reels. And if the opportunity presented itself to be able to do some sort of television show, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny that we're, you know, that you're interviewing me for a podcast. I was just visiting with a friend who she has, she's been doing her podcast for over a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to spend some time together this weekend because she said, you know, you should just do a podcast. I'm like, where do I begin? Oh yeah, that's that's a good idea. Um, I may be calling for some advice on it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we, but, we consider ourselves non-expert podcasters, but we can definitely uh, share whatever wisdom. What we've learned. Yeah, we've, we've learned, learned a few yeah. things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Just spreading. Um, it's really incredible to me. Like I, we've been doing the, this real series called um, Kitchen Questions You Were Too Afraid to Ask. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love and that. The response <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Leverage reels. I 
your reel. I watched my reel because half a million, over half a million people watched your reel. That's crazy. Facebook. Wow. See, it's so great that you're leveraging to a new um, content type within Instagram. I think reels are, we actually talked about this on the podcast that I'm like obsessed with reels because everyone's obsessed with reels. They're, they're amazingly fun to watch and they're, they bring so many new opportunities with sharing. Content. And it's not quite TikTok. So there you yeah. go. You have, you know, <laughs> separate yeah. thing, which is good. We will, we will definitely tune into those reels and can't wait for your cookbook and hopefully some sort of cooking show on TV down the line. Yeah. And Trisha, if someone wants to sign up for a cooking class, just your website, best place to do that. Um, if you, exactly. If you go to the, okay, um, perfect. so if you go to the website, you can sign up, it's under culinary experiences. And if you, the other thing right now is the culinary garden featuring whispering angel, you can make reservations online to book a table to either have lunch or lunch during the week, champagne brunch on the weekend. And we oh, have a that sounds great dinner Wednesday through Saturday night. It's a tasting menu that's paired oh. with whispering angel and the menu is amazing. That's Sounds awesome. I do a wine tip on this podcast too, like at the, at the top of the, the show. And um, I haven't featured Whispering Angel yet. And it's funny because I love Whispering Angel <laughs> Rosé. It's so good. We need to get the two of you out here so that you can try it. And so yes. what we'll do is you'll be able to try the entire family of Whispering oh, Angel wine. Yes. So That'd be amazing. Oh, I love that. And you can talk about we well we we did a class yesterday with people and we talked about climbing the rose mountain and each, <laughs> of wines, each of the wines in their family sort of is a different is a different level and we really take you from the palm which yeah. is a you know entry level all the way up to the gruce which is wow. spectacular and that's amazing and like a beautiful garden with beautiful rose bushes and trees and it sounds like a luxury luxurious dream so caitlin that's we need to get there Sure. Yeah, I've only had the one Whispering Angel, the one that they sell most widely. <laughs> so I'd love to try some other wines in their family for sure. Well, we, we'll get that on the calendar, ladies. Yeah, that would, oh, be, that would be amazing. It would That'd be such a great summer activity too. Really would. Well, Trisha, thank you so much for your time. This is a great conversation. I love hearing about your background and how you really are fulfilling your passions and have this beautiful inn that we can't wait to visit. Uh, but we really appreciate it and can't thank you enough for having you on our podcast. Fabulous, ladies. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you and welcoming you to the inn in the near future. All right. So for my Boston Food Journal Weekly Scoop, I want to talk about two new spots in the city that one I've been to and I'm obsessed with and another I am dying to go to, but I think these are really both super unique. Um, they're not really restaurants, but more like cafes. So the first is Tiger Sugar. Tiger Sugar. Can't talk. If you follow me, you see that I just did a giveaway with them. Um, they're actually, they, they have two locations now, one in Alston and one in Chinatown. They are actually like world renowned. Apparently in New York City, there's lines out the door to get their boba, but they actually, um, are the original brown sugar boba. So a lot of people do brown sugar boba now, but that originated from tiger sugar. So I went the other day to try the, the boba. I got the original and then I got this other one with like um, red bean in it. I, I liked the original so much better, but it was probably the best thing I've ever drank. It tasted like 
a milkshake on steroids and it was so delicious. Obviously, I think I saw your picture of that. It looked yeah, really they're, interesting. They're so cool looking and they're so interesting. And, you know, I don't even really like boba, but I was like fine with it. I was like, okay, we're doing this. It was so busy, but it would definitely, I would definitely say, check it out. I'm actually going to announce my giveaway winners today or tomorrow. So keep your eyes out for that. But Tiger Sugar in Alston in Chinatown, right on Tyler Street in Chinatown. Very, very good. Of course, there's a lot of boba places that are good in Chinatown, but this one being new, it's definitely like something you guys should put on your must go list. So the next cool. place I want to talk about, I have not been here yet. So I will probably go here, I would think soon because I'm very into it. But it's a matcha cafe that opened up on Jersey Street. So I believe that's right kind of off Fenway Park. I used to live around that area. And what they do is like really cool, unique, fun matcha soft serve. So they have like matcha ice cream swirled with vanilla. They have matcha in these big cups with all these toppings. I mean, it just looks really cool. It's one of those places that's like probably delicious, but also like very eye-catching and aesthetic looking desserts. So that's- Instagram friendly, Instagram you might friendly. say. Matcha cafe <laughs> by Maiko um, on Jersey Street in Boston. So be on the lookout. I'm probably going to go test it out. I really love matcha soft serve. And it has like a lot of benefits too to your health. It's good for, I don't know exactly, but I know that matcha is like, <laughs> it's like like having tea, like it's it's good for you too. So and it's a little caffeine boost too. I say it's dessert that's good for you. So yeah. So that's <laughs> another new spot that I really want to try. On well, the that's kind of cool. And like, yeah. that's super different than I know. the usual stuff we see popping up. I feel like it's kind of, I'm know, all about really like, cool. I'm all about the like cafes that have unique, you know, like the brown sugar boba. It's so pretty, so photogenic. So I'm all about places that you can really like enjoy the meal, but also capture some fun photos. And it's like interesting and intriguing to, to go. So I'm all about that. So I will be checking out that new matcha spot probably next week. Nice. Yeah. Well, I that's go. it for today, guys. We did it again. We did it again. Thank you so much for tuning into episode eight. As a reminder, follow me on Instagram at Boston Food Journal if you don't already. You can also follow us at Side Dish Podcast. A little behind with the postings there, but, um, you know, follow us along. And that's it. We will talk to you next week. Wish us luck at the bridal shower and pray for no rain. (laughs) We'll be good no matter what. Yeah, no matter what, it's going to be I'm excited. Thanks. (laughs) All right, we'll come back next week on how that went. Thanks, guys, for tuning in, and we'll see you in a week.